Chapter 31 The detective continued with his testimony by saying there was more information. He added, At 9 p.m., the communication by text between the defendant and the older sister continued after he returned to his car with his finger now taped. The text read, quote, Didn't go well. She has a date with the principal tomorrow. Waste of time and money. Plus, I cut my finger. End quote. Joyce's text response was, I'll come home and talk with her. Maybe she'll break the date. Hang in there. He indicated cell phone tower data showed that the custodian was using the same cell phone tower as Joyce, but she made no mention of the texting and did not indicate they saw each other when they were texting. Now it was time for some redirect questioning of the sister, a.k.a. fiancé, Joyce. Now the district attorney had questions to ask her. He said, why would your cell phone record indicate you were using the same cell phone tower when contacting your sister earlier and the identical tower when texting the defendant also? Joyce responded, I don't know. The DA said, let me show you a map of the area covered by the cell phone tower involved, uh, the one when you were using it. She looked at the map and the DA asked, looking at this map, where were you when you were texting the custodian? Joyce responded, it doesn't make sense to me. I think I was at school when I was encouraging him uh, the first time to call and later possibly still doing errands. The DA said, but Joyce, neither your school or the places you said you were shopping earlier are on the cell phone map. At least the one the detective gave us, the one you're looking at right now. Then he added, the communication between you and the custodian ended when he told you he was leaving. Did you see him leaving? Joyce said, no. The DA continued, your follow-up text to him about not giving up was received by him while he was still in the parking lot area. Did you see him when you came into the lot and parked in the visitor's parking place? Joyce answered, no. The DA continued, he will testify he saw you pulling into the visitor parking space and go into the apartment. Were you there to comfort your sister to get her to drop any interest in her principal? Joyce answered, no. With that answer, the judge stopped things and ordered the district attorney to Mirandize Joyce. He did. Then he continued his questioning. The DA said to Joyce, texting him about going back to see her to get her to reconsider the defendant. How long did it take you to get back to your apartment? Joyce responded, I don't know. Chapter 32. Look again at the cell tower map, the DA said. From one side of the map to the other, it looks like it might be three miles. Converted to travel time, it would take maybe 15 minutes at the most. Then he looked at Joyce and said, What time did you pull into the visitor's parking place on that foggy evening? 
Joyce responded, I don't recall. He continued and said, let me ask you this. Detectives will testify for some reason there was the defendant's blood on the bottom of one of your tires the next day when they arrived. Why is that? She answered, I don't know. He continued, your car was no longer in the visitor's stall the next day. It was in your assigned stall on the second row. Joyce answered the statement by the DA. I don't know, maybe I rolled over it when I came into the parking lot. The DA said in an assertive voice, blood only went as far as the visitor's stall where the defendant had parked. You would have had to pull into the visitor's stall to get blood on your tires. Tell us, when were you in the visitor's stall? Immediately breaking down, she confessed she had returned to the apartment as the defendant's car was leaving, but intended to stay briefly to talk with her sister. She had parked in the visitor's stall, which was closest to their apartment. But she added, I wasn't there long and went to my friend's, arriving at my friend's place at about 10.30. The DA continued the questioning after requesting a judge to allow him to treat Joyce as a hostile witness, which he did. The DA began, but before saying anything, Joyce turned to the judge and asked if she could have an attorney. The judge denied the request since she was not charged with anything. Smart enough not to incriminate herself, she proceeded to invoke the Fifth Amendment. Under the circumstances, the DA asked for a continuance and for the defendant to be released on his own recognizance. The judge said, so ordered then said to the bailiff who was in the back of the room to come forward and place the cuffs on Joyce and take her into custody. Then he said to Joyce, now you may have your attorney. Chapter 33. A few more weeks went by. A psychological workup was ordered. Joyce's attorney was present. One of the brightest minds in the county reported to the judge and the DA his findings. He said, upon entering the apartment, almost immediately she had flown into a rage. Joyce's sister was interfering with her ability to have a relationship with the principal. She rationalized she was too young for him. She was an employee. How dare she become a lover? He was only using her. June, when arguing, had tried to protect her territory, denying any wrongdoing, and accused Joyce of not being sincere by trying to set her up with the younger, immature custodian. Furthermore, using him was going to come out at some point when he put two and two together. Jealousy and anger led to violence. June was in bed when the argument started. In a fit of rage, Joyce got a knife from the kitchen, but doesn't remember anything after that except throwing the knife down a sewer main somewhere as she traveled to her friend's house. She was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to the psychiatric hospital in the center part of the state, and she was to complete a concurrent term in prison of 30 years to life.
Just after sentencing, Joyce sent her engagement ring to the principal. In the same envelope was a note from her. It read, I can never wear this where I'm going. I hope you can use it in a loving way for someone else. The principal sold the ring and used the money to pay for the installation of a small garden in front of the school that had a small plaque that honors June. When the school year ended, the principal resigned and found a job in the Bay Area where he had left his heart many years before. One day, one of his teachers came into his office. She said that her husband had acquired four tickets to a Tony Bennett concert. Her sister wanted to come over from Berkeley to join them. Would he like to make it a foursome? In fact, she uses the syllabus I got from you for the new teacher seminar she teaches at UC Berkeley. I think you guys have a lot in common. Interested in joining us? The principal said yes, and the four had a great evening. Not once did they talk about their night class experiences. They found they had other common interests and began seeing each other frequently in the city by the bay.